Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Leah. How's it going? And today we're going to be doing something a little bit different from what we usually do on our show. Usually we talk about horror movies, mainly most of the episodes we've been doing, the occult and true crime. But today we are not doing anything horror related except for the terror that's going on in Hollywood right now. So yeah, we did say last week we were going to stick with a more summer-themed movie review, which we will probably do next week. But this week I wanted to talk about something different. I really wanted to focus a little bit more on this writer strike and now the actor strike and what's going on about it. What do we know so far? And how is it affecting people like us? Kyle and I, we're not professional movie reviewers. Like we don't have degrees and speak for yourself. Film scholarships. Like we don't we don't really know what we're talking about half the time. We're just we're we're giving our opinions from the heart. More than from a college degree. Does that make sense to you? No, maybe to you, but no. Well, I okay, come fine. I come from the schools of learning about film. It's called the School of Hard Knocks. But like I said, we're just two people who enjoy horror movies and like to talk about them. That does not make us professionals in any way, shape, or form. We however, could... however, Colin, we are in a position right now where we are taking with everything that's happening... Weird, and in the weirdest of ways, this the, the whole strike itself is becoming like a trending topic on most social media platforms. It's being posted and talked about on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, etc. And, and like she said, we're not professionals in that matter, but we do know how to speak our minds. But we also feel like it's our responsibility as the consumers to try to understand and follow what's going on. And like I said... How does this strike affect us as much as it affects the people who are striking? Mm -hmm. So I have taken the time to pull a bunch of different notes from multiple resources, which I will cite during this episode. But I wanted to start with the writer strike since that was the one that came first before the recent actor strike in solidarity with the writers. So I'm sure you probably already know, like when it comes to the Colin and I, I, we're, we're observant people, but we like to observe two different things. I like to observe a little bit more broader outside of, what do you call it? I don't what? know what you call it because I don't observe <laughs> what you do. I'm just saying that I'm more observant when it comes to things outside of the movie industry. I mean, this is a part of movie industry, don't get me wrong. But when I asked Colin, it's like, oh, did you hear what happened in the most recent update of the writer strike? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So that's why, Colin... I'm going to tell you what I told you five minutes ago. I'm going to read through my notes. And if there's anything that is tripping you up... I'm just going to go to sleep. No, you're not. (laughs) But I just feel like it's important to talk about this. So, is there anything you do want to ask me before I jump into it? Yes? No? Maybe? Just go. You know what? Fine. Okay, (laughs) so we're going to be talking about... (laughs) Wow. That was a lot. (laughs) So, as of right now, there are two strikes going on. Kind of up under the same umbrella. It's the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild dash American Federation of Television and Radio Artists Strike. They are they go by the abbreviations WGA and SAGAFTRA. So it's WGA and SAG dash AFTRA. That's what they kind of call themselves, and they are negotiating. Screen Actors Guild SAG. Screen actors. You said scream. 
No, like the movie. Well, it's actually kind of funny yeah. that if that was the horror actors guild. But they both are negotiating with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which is AMPTP, which represents corporations like Amazon, grouped with MGM, Apple, Disney, which is grouped with ABC and Fox, NBC, which is grouped with Universal, Netflix, Paramount, which is grouped with CBS, Sony, Warner Brothers Discovery, HBO, and pretty much any company that are under the 2020 NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I know the strike is happening now in the year of 2023, and if you're listening to this the week of its release, then it's important that we all kind of follow and understand what's going on. But even like if you're somebody who's listening to this episode weeks from now or months from now or maybe even years from now, mm-hmm. this is sort of like changing history for the movie industry and the television industry as we know it. So we're, we're witnessing history in a very unique way because it's being talked about, like I said, on multiple streaming platforms, like social media platforms. It's talked about all over the news and in articles and such. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing isn't exactly... It's not different from what other people are doing, but it's our own way of explaining... This is what's happening. This is what we know so far. This is just what's going on in our world, and that's what we're explaining to them. But this isn't the only time that a strike like this has ever happened. So before I get into what's going on now, I do need to take us back in time a bit. So in 1941, the Screenwriters Guild, which at the time was called SWG, that's what they were called, uh, was a predecessor of the Writers Guild of American West reached its first negotiated contract with the studios. The historic agreement guaranteed writer control of screen credits through the guild, written contracts, dispute, arboration, and minimum compensation. Do you know what that means? Well, explain that to me and everyone else. This is just essentially establishing the guild that we know right now. So back in 1941, you had your production studios and people like writers... You know, they had their jobs, but compared to what people are getting paid today, they were getting paid next to nothing. And while it was sort of working for them at the time, there were things about working as a writer that they weren't really getting. So these were just the first set terms of negotiations that were being met with the studios at the time. So fast forward to 1953, the SWG struck the Alliance of Television Film Producers, which was ATFP, for 13 weeks. So this was a 13 week long strike and gains included were the first residuals for reuse are made for television products hmm. with payments for up to five reruns. So when a movie is made, it goes to the theaters. It's in the theaters for a while. It gets pulled from theaters. And then after a couple of years, it's finally released or aired on television, which hmm. was a really big thing at the time. Television was getting there. Yeah. This would be updated in 1970, though, up to 10 domestic reruns. So kind of like how we understand it today, anytime a cable network on cable television is running, they're doing a showing up for Nightmare on Elm Street. They have to pay residuals to the directors, the producers, the writers, the actors, and people who worked on the movie just so they can air that movie for that one time on their channel so like let's say nightmare on elm street was on hbo back in the day in the 80s 
HBO would have to pay the people who made the movie, the company, everyone in it. They would have to buy the rights to stream the movie and then pay the residuals to the people who worked on the movie, yes. I was going to say, did they, did they have enough to do that? Did they have enough money to pay them to do that? Well, like I said, this is 1953. So the writers at this time were only probably being paid at this time with their contracts, with their work, uh, the credits that they were listed at, you know, in the movies, and minimum compensation. So whatever that entails, that's what they were getting paid for at the start of this whole guild system. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, 1953 is when they started to see residuals. It also included separation of rights in television, which was a form of contractual copyright. So like I said, cable networks had to buy the rights to be able to distribute those movies on their channels. And sequel payments in television for creators of original works. A prohibition of speculative writing on television, control of credits in television, and minimum compensation and non-exclusive reversions of television rights Mm -hmm. so that's what they like over time we're going to see more of this stuff added on things get updated along the way and it's also going to change along with the technological advancements like right now we're only focusing on television because that was the hot commodity in the 50s yeah so fast forward a year later 1954 the SWG merged with a group of unions on both coasts representing television and radio writers to form what would become the Writers Guild of America East. Uh-huh. So you have your Writers Guild on the East Coast and your Writers Guild on the West Coast. Oh, okay. Which jointly negotiated industry-wide agreements. In 1960, the WGA struck the ATFP for 22 weeks, and their gains included the first residuals for theatrical motion pictures, paying 1.2% of the license fees when features were licensed to television, an independent pension plan, and a 4% residual for television reruns, both domestic and foreign. This would change in 1966 to fixed residuals covering both domestic and foreign reruns. So it wasn't just a baseline percentage. It was fixed depending on what the budget for those networks would be. Mm Mm-hmm. This contract established an independent pension fund and participation in an industry health insurance plan. So let's talk a little bit about health insurance because health insurance is a requirement. Everybody has to have health insurance. If you're alive and you're breathing, then you're more likely going to get sick, hurt, injured. You're going to need medical assistance. And unfortunately, that means you're going to need medical coverage. So Everybody needs medical coverage, and depending on what kind of job you have, you may or may not be able to receive medical coverage through your employers. Yeah. Kyle and I are in a position where we are getting medical insurance through our employers. However, the cost for those is coming out of our paychecks, just so we can have the medical insurance. And unfortunately, America is not one of the countries in the world that has universal health care. We would like to have universal health care someday, but unfortunately, those rights are not being given to us now. But as long as there are people who are working for you or under you are going to be putting in the time, effort to work for you, they should be compensated with some some sort of health coverage. And this is what they were fighting for in 1960. And in 1973, 
the guild struck the AMPTP, which is now... So we went from ATFP to AMPTP, which is, like I said, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. So they struck another strike in for four months, and the gains included the establishment of an independent health fund, 1.2% of distributors' gross receipts on video cassette sales and pay television, anticipating the future emergence of these means of distribution. This would also extend into internet content and animation in the 2000s, and again in 2007 and 8 in digital downloads, and again in 2014 for streaming services. So you kind of get to see where that pattern mm-hmm. comes from. Every time new technology is introduced to the masses, it's going to affect writers, it's going to affect actors, it's going to affect studios in some way. Pretty much. Furthermore, additional provisions regulating the employment of writers and producers. And in 1988, the Guild struck the AMPTP for 22 weeks, which is the longest strike in its history. Gains included an increase in residuals for reuse of free television products on basic cable to a 2% of the license fee. Residuals negotiated for made-for-basic cable product and improvements in creative rights for the writers of original screenplays and television movies. Do you have any questions so far? No, I think I got it all understanding. You're not getting lost or any way? No. All right. Yeah, keep going. So the Guild established with the AMPTP and the Committee on the Professional Status of Writers to conduct talks about creative rights, along with DGA and SAG, the Guild won agreement from the AMPTP to fund a tri-guild audit program through which the guilds can assure that revenue-based residuals are paid correctly. The Guild agreed to discounts for syndication reuse of certain one-hour dramatic primetime network series. Hmm. So they went on a strike. These were their demands. And at the end, this is what they got. They got revenue-based residuals, which is pretty much, I guess, ad revenue or any sort of revenue, like I said, where your work is distributed and being showcased, right? That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Because think about it this way, too. In 1988, you still had to pay for cable services. Like, if you didn't have cable, you had what was called basic cable. Well, people are still paying for cable now. But still, that's the thing I'm trying to say is that... Back then when you only had basic cable, you only had a selected handful of channels that you could watch that were kind of given to you for free. But if you wanted more channels and more stuff to watch... Then you you had to pay for that. Right. But they don't do that anymore. Everything you have to pay, you have to pay everything cable. They only give you like channels for free anymore. Not necessarily. I mean, depending on who your cable provider is. Up here in Rochester, we have Time Warner Cable. At least I don't think it's Time Warner Cable. I think it's Spectrum now. Yeah, it's Spectrum. Yeah, it's Spectrum. And depending on what kind of Spectrum plan you have, you can either get your standard cable, which is your channels like 3 to 100, and then if you want movie channels like HBO, Showtime, Stars, and etc., you, you have, have to pay to, extra. Which you don't really have to do HBO anymore because you can get HBO Max. True, but for the amount that it would cost you just to have the channel would be probably be the same amount as a month's worth of the streaming service. I would think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. I'd definitely have to check that, but yeah. 
And in 2020, the Guild secured the right to increase the pension contribution rate by 2.75% over, over the course of the 2020 MBA contract cycle. These increases to the pension rate are projected to result in an additional $117 million in contributions to the plan. The Guild secured a historic paid parental benefit to assist members with the birth of a new child, the adoption of a new child, or the placement of a foster child. This benefit will be funded by a new employer contribution of 0.5% of writer's earnings and becomes available May 2nd, 2021. So this is sort of like a new maternity plan thing that is just now being given to Guild members. How crazy is that? Sounds crazy. It is. In addition, the Guild gained improvements to, but not limited to, most minimums, initial compensation and residuals for high and low budget SVOD programs, span protection, and options and exclusivity. The new writer discount and trainee wages were eliminated, and two contract provisions which have contributed to lower compensation for writers from underpresented groups. Hmm. Okay? Yeah. Now, how did we get here? How did we get to, at the time of this recording, it's July 20th of 2023, how did we now get to where we are, where both writers and actors are striking? Well, I will tell you. And also, I want to cite right now, all of that information that I just got from, you can check out at the Writers Guild of America campaign website. It's a very interesting read. I encourage people to read it if you want to get a more deep dive idea of what's going on and what their what their focus is. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's interesting. Yeah, sounds great. Mm-hmm. So in a Hollywood Reporter article written by Katie Kilkenny on March 22nd of 2023, The WGA began negotiations with the AMPTP headquarters in Sherman Oaks on March 20th to ban the use of AI technology when writing films and television and to preclude AI being considered for credits. Amid the rapid use of AI chatbots like ChatGPT, the Guild has noted that regulating the emerging technology is on its list of agenda items in addition to more traditional matters like raising wage floors and changing feature writer deals. So remember, like I said, over time and during that timeline, we saw the rise of technological advances from radio to television to internet to digital to now streaming. Mm-hmm. Now we've got to worry about AI. And we talked a little bit about AI when we were doing the Megan review. But AI now is becoming a bit of a hot commodity with most content creators. And it's not, I mean, yes, it's not just writers and actors, but it's content creators as well. There are now AI technological programs where you can throw on AI filters to change your look and appearance. You can throw on AI filters to change your voice. And and even AI technology can be used to digitally scan your face and your appearance and superimpose it into certain shots, like pictures, videos, and things like that. Yeah, especially the voice thing. The voice thing horrifies me. Yeah, but that's what they're worried about because there are, like I said, this program, ChatGPT, it's essentially talking to an AI bot. So you're talking to an AI bot and it's supposed to be programmed to react in a way like most people talk nowadays. It kind of like pulls 
a lot of lingo from a lot of resources all across the internet and uh, what is it called curates a way to engage in conversations with the consumer which would be people like so, you and so i would almost try to be as hip it's not trying to be hip but that's what it's programmed to do because that's what the people who made this program wanted it to do it wanted to in some weird way it wanted to limit or decrease actual human interaction because like when you and i text each other we know we're texting people you text me i text you i could be texting you the listener and you would know it's me but with these programs you're talking to a robot mm -hmm. and the robot is programmed to talk back to you based on all the information that's being given and pulling from other resources yeah which is crazy Pretty so, of much. course, writers have a reason to worry because this sort of technology could replace writers altogether when it comes to putting together screenplays, script writings, and all this other stuff. Like, it's scary to think about. But it's going to get even scarier when we start to talk about the actor strike. And we will get to that later. But yeah. do you have any questions so far before I keep going? Uh, No. Not so far. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Stop me again if I trip you up or anything. I just mm. want to make sure you're on board. We're all good, honey. Okay, so in a statement from the Guild, quote, the WGA's proposal to regulate use of material produced using artificial intelligence or similar technologies ensures the companies can't use AI to undermine writers' working standards, including compensation, residuals, separated rights, and credits. So think of it this way. All of the work that all the members of the SWG and WGA have worked for since 1941 are going to be completely eliminated if that's what AMPTP decides to do. And it's just so crappy, you know? Like, think about it this... Like, think about Roe v. Wade for a second. Women had to work and fight and protest and show up just to get that put in place. Yeah. It took years. And before that was even a thing, women had to go through so much just to try to get that kind of care that they needed mm -hmm. when it was not provided for them legally. Yeah. And unfortunately, when things like that are not provided for you legally and you get these backdoor abortion, it's really harmful and it's really dangerous. So it's just shitty that... Now that it's been overturned, and I think it's actually been a year since it's been overturned at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's like all that work, all that work that they put in for is just gone. But again, it's like the Supreme Court just took away a basic human right to safer healthcare options because they don't understand how reproductive health works. They only know it from the side of the masculine male perspective. They don't understand the feminine female perspective. And it's shitty. But again, that's just, I, I'm reading all this about the worker, the writer's strike. And it's just, it's, it's crappy. Because like I said, all that work. I mean, think about it. 1941 is 80 years ago. Like over 80 years ago. 80, 82. 82 years of work. They put to get here and they want to take all of that away. The compensation, the residuals, the separated rights and credits. Those are things that they spent 80 years working for to maintain and improve on. 
and expand upon. And now they just don't, the AMPTP doesn't want to do that anymore because now they have the technology that can just completely get rid of the writers. Wow. Yeah. And think of it. And also, bottom line, this is all about money. If you have a human who can write a full season of episodes mm-hmm. for a TV series, you got to pay that person their dues. You got to pay them for the time it took them to write. You got to pay them for compensation. You got to pay them for residuals. So they're gotta... basically saving money to do the because, AIs. Yeah, because you don't have to pay a robot anything yeah. to do its job. You don't have to pay a robot anything to write. You just tell it, I need you to write me a season, like 20 episodes worth of a script about whatever. And it can put it together for you within a day. And you can start production within the week. But that's the thing. You don't need to pay a robot to do this, but you have to pay a human. So it's just really shitty that, that like... Again, I, I'm sorry if I'm getting worked up, but... Yeah, but relax. It's a really frustrating thing to read. But the union added, but like all research material, it has no role in guild-covered work, nor in the chain of title in the intellectual property. In a final note, the union also added, its output is not eligible for copyright protection, nor can the AI software program sign a certificate of authorship. To the contrary, plagiarism is a feature of the AI process. That is, again, what it's capable of doing. That is what AI is. It's almost like an entity of itself that's able to access a a large part of the internet and pull its resources. So, like, let's say, without going into too many details, you can say, I want you to write me a script about a man deserted on an island whose only companion is an inanimate object. And it will tell you verbatim, word for word, the entire script of Castaway. Because things like that have already been done before. So it's not going to be new content. It's just going to be regurgitated crap that AI is pulling from the internet. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you wanted to ask? No. You sure? I am sure you're... I want you to be as involved in this conversation as possible, so... Well, you're getting all the information that I'm understanding. At the time, both management and labor are expected to continue talks until April 1st, when a brief break will occur. They will then continue before the Writers Guild's current contract expires on May 1st. We're in July. So, what does that mean? Because at this point, it's now late March. Late March. At, yeah, this at this point in my notes, it's late March. So from March 27th to April 30th, talks of a strike spread across a number of newspapers and magazines with talking heads on talk shows and social media platforms discussing and wondering what this strike could mean for people at home. During that time, Adam Canover, you know who Adam Canover is? No. He's the guy... Who does those like historical breakdown pieces like, um, hang on, I'll show you. you. You'll know his face once you see him. But you know who he is now, right? Yes, I've, I think he had a show or something. Yeah, like he he's one of those guys who does those little like skit 
videos of Adam ruined yeah, that's parenthood or yeah. Adam ruined Adam ruined a lot of yes, things including yes. like pop culture stuff. Yes. So he does videos like that, but he started to follow the WGA strike updates and he explains them through his social media. I recommend that anybody who has social media go follow him. He really has a better way of articulating what's going on and what is happening. And he even has videos of what we as consumers at home can do to help with the strike. Because I'm going to talk about those at the end too. So just hold on. Bear with me. So he gets involved. Writers hold interviews with news outlets to break down what working with AMPTP studios are like. And there's an AV Club article written by Mary Kate Carr uh, about this. And I recommend you guys go check it out. It's a good read. But the IATSE, the SAG-AFTRA, and the DGA join in solidarity with the WGA. And Netflix, you'll be shocked to know, condemns WGA strikers for delaying future projects. This is from an Onion article published on May 2nd. Thoughts about that? That's pretty shitty. It is pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah. This not this probably isn't gonna last. This isn't gonna be the last time we hear some fucked up shit from Netflix going forward. So just bear with me. Mm. But finally, on May second of twenty twenty three, the Writers Guild of America, that represents eleven thousand five hundred screenwriters, went on strike over an ongoing labor dispute with the AMPTP which is, again, the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers. Thoughts so far? Uh, no, it's all pretty interesting so far. It's fucked. All right. I am going to... sure. Yes. I am going to take a moment to read to you some of the negotiations between the WGA and the AMPTP counteroffers. So this is essentially how it works. You have your union labor workers representing, setting down their terms and negotiations saying this is what we want and if you are willing to meet these demands we will come back to work as soon as everything gets settled and then the opposing team or opposing arguments come in with counter offers or see if these things can be met depending based on what they're willing to do so in terms of minimums the wga proposed a six percent or 5% for all minimums, including residual bases. AMPTP offers or counter offers a 432% or one-time increase to most residuals based off of 2% or 2.5%. So, so what this means is there's a minimum amount of writers that are required to work on certain projects and For television programs, that means they want, WGA wants at least 6% of writers to be in the writing rooms working on television programs per season. And then over time, it's going to plateau from 6% to 6% by the second season and then maybe 5% if there's a third season. And it sounds like AMTP doesn't want to agree with that, which we will get to in a minute, but that's just sort of what minimums means. And... AMPTP doesn't want to shoot that high. They want to lower what WJ is offering and only give them a residual base of 2 to 2.5%. That's not much yeah. compared to how much they're making. Okay? And we're get, we'll get into that later. But when it comes to features, like streaming features, for example, WGA 
wants streaming features with a budget of $12 million or more receive full theatrical terms, including better initial compensation and residuals. AMPTP counter-offered made for HBSVOD programs of 96 plus minutes with a budget of $40 million or more receive 9% increase to initial compensation, but no improvement in residuals. So streaming services, let's talk about that for a little bit because ever since the streaming wars began and all these production companies came out with their own streaming services for people to watch a bunch of different shows and movies, it's actually hurt a lot of writers and actors in this sense because when things get streamed or when, when things are released directly for streaming, they're not getting that box office revenue. They're not getting residuals from those. And they're not really getting a lot of the rights for that either. So, or I should say they're not paying for most of the rights of that either. It's usually negotiated uh, between the production studios who hold the rights of those and the CEOs of the streaming companies that want to stream those things. And ratings, I don't think really make a difference in terms of how people get paid. Ratings only help the success of a show. They don't exactly pay the people behind it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't really see this as a good counter offer. It just seems like, it seems like what WGA wants is they want streaming features with a budget have more theatrical terms. So things are streamed theatrically. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what exactly what that means. I just don't see this as a good deal. Guaranteed second step. So the WGA requires a second step if hired for a screenplay for less than 250% of minimum. AMPTP rejected that proposal, countered by offering meetings to educate creative executives and producers about screenwriters' free work concerns. That seems a little bit condescending. I don't think people need to do that. I think you just need to fucking pay your writers. I think that's what you need to do. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We- weekly pay. 50% pay upon commencement and remaining 50% to be paid out weekly over the writing period. Applies if writer is paid less than 250% of minimum. Writers above this threshold have the right to opt in to weekly pay. AMPTP rejected that proposal and refused to make a counter offer. So they don't want to pay anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, an established minimums for streaming. WGA proposed extend television appendix A terms to high budget shows made for SVOD, including weekly minimums of 13 week guarantees and residuals based on aggregate. I'm not really sure what appendix a exactly means but it sounds like again it's just asking again for residuals and amptp says appendix a weeklies apply only to high budget comedy slash variety programs made for svod budget break is seven hundred thousand dollars for 30 minute shows 1.15 million dollars for 60 minute shows and no aggregate for 13 week guarantees would apply and writers can be employed on a daily rate basis mm-hmm. again I'm not quite sure what that means but it doesn't sound like a good deal on my to my ears anyway episodic television 
Uh, Pre-green light rooms. Minimum staff of six writers, including four writer producers. Post-green lit rooms. And all this is what WGA is proposing. One writer per episode, up to six episodes. Then one additional writer required for each two episodes after six, up to a max of 12 writers. For example, eight episodes requires seven writers included four writer-producers. Ten episodes requires eight writers included five writer-producers. AMPTP, of course, rejected that proposal and refused to make a counter-proposal. Duration of employment. The WGA proposed, again, pre-greenlit rooms, minimum staff guaranteed at least 10 consecutive weeks of work, and in post-greenlit rooms, writers on staff must get at least three weeks per episode up to a max of 52 weeks. Half of the minimum staff must be employed through production. One writer must be employed through post. AMPTP, once again, say it with me, rejected our proposals, refused to make a counteroffer. Anyway... TV weeklies, and this is like two pages worth of stuff, so again, bear with me. And you, again, you can all find these negotiating terms on the WGA campaign website, but I just wanted to kind of give you guys a bit of an idea of what's going on here. They do have other proposals in terms of minimum and post-productions and streaming, especially foreign streaming residuals, viewership-based streaming residuals, ad-supported free streaming services, pensions, the AI thing, the tentative agreements, and cost. Um, Most of these, like I said, AMPTP rejected most of the offers and refused to make a counter offer. In terms of the AI, I do want to go over because like I said, AI right now is the primary focus of the strike. Writers do not want to be replaced by AI technology and they believe that AI technology does not have a place in movies and television writings and i agree would you agree colin mm-hmm. yeah i agree why don't you explain in your own words why you think ai doesn't deserve or belong in movie making well because in a writer's point of view they have the emotion the emotional grasp that ai doesn't mm-hmm. so that's why i think in my opinion that ais wouldn't really Go for the writing, the emotional aspect. I mean, they would just go for the regular writing, but you would not feel anything from that writing, mm-hmm. you know, from that work. Yep. And the WGA's proposal when it comes to AI is to regulate use of artificial intelligence on MBA-covered projects. AI can't write or rewrite literary material, and it can't be used as source material, and MBA-covered material can't be used to train AI. AMPTP rejected their proposal, countered by offering annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology. Now, I don't think that AI, like I said, doesn't deserve a place in writing movies or television of any kind. It doesn't even have a place in, like, the acting itself. Like, it, it just doesn't... There's, there's no... The technology is not there yet. It's not been perfected. And even if we do get to a point of perfecting AI, it could be harmful. Like, it's one of those pieces of technology that really could make or break humanity. So, to continue back to my notes, NPR writer Rachel Treisman, Treisman? 
or Treesman. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but she's a writer for the NPR website. The Writers Guild of America went on strike against major studios in May to push for contract provisions including higher wages, more residuals, guaranteed staffing minimums, and regulations on AI technology like we discussed. And in a Politico article written by Kelly Garrity on May 8th, President Joe Biden spoke on the writer's strike, quote, Nights like these are a reminder of stories and the importance of treating storytellers with the dignity, respect, and the value they deserve. Biden said during remarks he delivered at a White House screening of a movie called American Born Chinese and was an event held to mark Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I sincerely hope the writer's strike in Hollywood gets resolved and the writers are given a fair deal they deserve as soon as possible. And the thing about the thing about politicians is that they don't usually get involved with social issues like this. Like this is definitely more of like a social issue and maybe even a cultural issue to some degree, especially for like American culture and how we tell stories and make movies and such. They don't, but like I said, politicians don't usually get involved in it because to get involved in things like this is very, very tricky line. Like you want to make your constituents, which is the writers happy. These are the people who pay their taxes. They work to pay their bills. They work to provide for their families and themselves. And they, again, work to pay their taxes. But at the same time, you have these big corporated production companies who also in some way provide the economy. Maybe not in ways that we would like for them to, but they somehow do. And high profile writers such as J.J. Abrams, Ryan Murphy, Greg Berlanti, Greg Berlanti, Shonda Rhimes, and Adam McKay donated $1.7 million to the Strikers Relief Fund. This was a article from The Wrap written by Jeremy Fuster on May 10th. Now, I did not know this before last week, but apparently actress Fran Drescher is the president of the SAG-AFTRA. I did not know that. I think that's really cool. Uh, she released in the SAG-AFTRA newsletter on May 12th, and I'm going to read it verbatim. You can also find this on the, the SAG-AFTRA website. It says, Dear Member, I wanted to bring you up to speed on the WGA strike and our negotiations with which began June 7th, as, or which will begin on June 7th. As I wrote to you last week and have said many times, union solidarity is crucial. Unions gain strength by supporting each other and the WGA fight is a righteous one. We are united in support of the WGA and I think all of the SAG-AFTRA members who are showing solidarity with their strike. For those who haven't yet been able to do so, I hope you will join me and others and supporting the writers on a picket line. As a member of the WGA, I can say firsthand the contributions made by writers cannot be undermined, diminished, or cheapened. As I've said it a thousand times, if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. Even while we are showing strong public support to our sister union, we are privately finalizing and preparing for our own negotiations let me unpack that process briefly so you can feel confident that no stone has been left unturned. Wages and working conditions met across the nation went on for weeks, after which led local presented 
their top member concerns. Over an unprecedented seven days, the Wages and Working Conditions Plenary Committee vetted every single submission. We called in member experts to speak on issues impacting every member category. It was important to all of us that we had a complete understanding of wants and needs of all the members, each of whom will be profoundly impacted by the outcome of this negotiation. Our National Executive Director and Chief Negotiator Duncan Crabtree Ireland and Chief Contracts Officer Ray Rodriguez were right there throughout the plenary helping determine our approach to these negotiations which will be life-changing for our members. We are fortunate to have this collaborative and brilliant team adapting our wants and needs into a tight, innovative, and aggressive negotiating package. We must focus on modernizing our outdated and conservative contract. It is essential that we reshape our agreement to better reflect the new digital and streaming business model that is rapidly changing our industry. There has never been a better time to be a fearless and forward-thinking in our bargaining approach. This is a turning point for us all and what happens now will define our future. Get ready, everyone. The future is now. Fran, president. What do you think? It's interesting. She is a cultural icon and she's very smart Mm -hmm. for for a person who doesn't really act so smart on TV. But I think this little letter right here she has is pretty pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I give her that. Yeah, and like I said... It's, it's sort of because of that persona that I was surprised to f- realize that she was the president of the SAG-AFTRA. Like, I think that's really cool. And there was actually a video going on TikTok recently where she gave a speech about the negotiations. And they actually released the negotiations the same day because they submitted their terms to the AMPTA. AMPTA came back with their own counter offers, which I will read towards the end, but it's very well thought out, well laid out, and well organized. And I think that she has a way of bringing people together. She knows the right words to say to really get people pumped and going and excited about things. And in this video, she she wanted to broach one thing, and that was when pictures had came out on the internet of her and Kim Kardashian attending a certain screening of something in Italy. I believe it was in Italy. And she responded to it and she said, I'm not personally close friends with Kim, but this was something we had to do for work. You know, we went, we took a couple of pictures. I left, I had to go fly back. And, you know, she explains it all in the video, but she really, really wants to get this done. You can kind of tell in the video, she just wants to get this done. You know, she wants people to be able to go to work, but she also wants to make sure those people who are going back to work are getting paid for their work. And she even says it too. It's not just happening with WGA and SAG-AFTRA. It's happening across all labor fields. Like even here in Rochester, we have a nurses strike that's also going on right now. And union organizers representing nurses are negotiating terms with medical facilities and corporations. And they're just not meeting in the middle at all. And just like this strike, the nurses strike and the WGA strike and the SAG-AFTRA strike, are so far apart from the AMPTP and the other counter, the other opposing groups are so far apart from each other because they want completely separate things. And they're not looking out for 
anybody at this point. Yeah, they're not looking out for shit. Yeah, like the writers just want to get paid the the money that they're due for their work. And mm-hmm. they want to get paid in a way where they don't have to worry about getting their next paycheck every week. They want to be able to make money to pay their bills, pay their rent, pay their mortgages, put food on their table, keep the lights on in their houses, and, you know, provide for their own kids if they have kids and all that stuff. Like, just like things you and I want. Like, that's what they want. And they should, we all deserve to have that. We shouldn't have to struggle week after week and work twice as hard just to do it. Like, it doesn't, the math is not mathing. And that's what's frustrating a lot of people. Yeah. And the math is really not going to be mathing when I tell you how much these people make at the end. Do you have any questions? Nope. Okay. So to kind of wrap up the SAG after strike, on June 23rd, Dermot Mulroney walked out during an interview on The View in solidarity of the writer's strike. Now, Mulroney is actually the newest star in the Scream 6 film. He's also in a mm. bunch of other films too, but he's a pretty big name actor in Hollywood And I read about this because his name just happened to come up in, like, the trending news on Google. And I was just like, hmm, I wonder what's up with him. Like, maybe he's got, like, some publicity stunts going on with the Scream 6 movie. And then I read the article that it's attached to, and it's him walking out in the view. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. But a lot of other people were doing this. So he wasn't just the only actor who was doing stuff like this. Other actors and people who were going on these talk shows were walking out in solidarity of the writer's strike and even just this past week at the oppenheimer premiere in uk Mm -hmm. all the cast members walked out during the movie in solidarity of the strike at least that's what i heard allegedly so there's that and on july 13th and 14th so just this past week the american actors union SAG-AFTRA went on strike over an ongoing labor dispute with the AMPTP and it coincides with the Writers Guild of America strike as part of broader Hollywood labor disputes. According to the WGA campaign website, the AMPTP has proven unwilling to meet the justifiable demands of actors and writers at the bar- at the bargaining table in 2023. We stand solidly behind our union siblings in the SAG-AFTRA as they begin their work stoppage. That same week, it was reported that CEOs of AMPTP Studios claim that they are going to, quote, wait out the writers until October when they begin to lose their homes and apartments. They believe this tactic will force strikers to go back to work and settle with whatever deals AMPTP is willing to bargain with. Isn't that shitty? Pretty much. Like, that's so fucking low. And I was like, whoa. They really fucking said that? Like, that's shady. And on top of all of that, CEO of Walt Disney, Bob Iger, held an interview where he said that writers and actors were being, quote, unrealistic with the strikes. Oh, really? Let's talk about unrealistic circumstances, shall we? Oh, no. What? Oh, no. You. What about me? You're just going way into this. Relax. No, I'm not. I'm not going to relax. I will never yeah. relax No, with honey, this. you got to relax. No, because once I stop and I go to bed, I'm going to pass out. So, Good. Robert Reich, who is the Secretary of Labor for the U.S. government, posted on Instagram and Twitter four days ago, so on... July 16th, he says, We can't afford to pay writers and actors more. 
Meanwhile, studio CEO's pay is through the roof, and he posts the list. Netflix CEOs are making 51 to $50 million a year. Next Star CEOs are making $39 million a year, as well as Warner Brothers Discovery CEOs. Comcast is and Paramount CEOs are making $32 million a year. Walt Disney CEO and AMC CEOs are making $24 million a year. And Fox Corp CEOs, which again are grouped with Walt Disney, make $22 million a year. That's the most unrealistic thing I have ever fucking heard in my life. Mm-hmm. That one person, one person is making that much money a year just for being a CEO? Why? That makes no sense. Like no, I, it doesn't. And, and to be honest, like I said, we're not professionals. We don't know exactly how all this stuff works. I cannot imagine how much work you have to do a year just to be able to make that much money. The amount of work that I put into my job doesn't really equate to how much I'm getting paid per every two weeks. I get paid bi-weekly. Most people get paid weekly. It depends on the work environment. But it like it, just to put this in perspective too, I work in an office setting and my department head, her office is like 200 feet away from my cubicle. If I found out that that woman made more money than me times 10 a year, I would shit a brick. Like, and I would, I would understand too, she's been there longer. She's got the experience and the education and all that stuff. But I have to think of it too. She's 30 years older, 30, well, yeah, 30 years older than me. Her husband's retired. She lives in a nice little woodsy part of Rochester. She's got two adult children in college. I would understand, but you can't sit there and say, oh, we don't have it in the budget to be able to pay an entire department of people livable wages. So we're going to let them all go. And And it doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, well, why don't we cut costs on your paychecks? You certainly don't need to make 55 fucking dollars an hour making, what is it, seven figures a year? Mm-hmm. These people are making like eight, nine figures a year. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they're making it a little way too much. There should be no way that one person can make that much money in a year just for being a CEO. Again, I don't know what being a CEO entails. I don't know how long you have to be to be a CEO, but there's no way in hell that a per- one person should be making that much money in a fucking year. Because l- let's face it, in the US government, people who make that much money a year don't pay taxes. If they're not using all that fucking money to pay their employees properly, and they're not using it to pay their fucking taxes, then what are they doing with that money? I can tell you what they're doing with that money, because according to Adam Canover, he said that Bob Iger, while making that statement about strikers being unrealistic, he was saying all that from a billionaire's retreat on a private island that he got there on his private fucking jet. That's what people like him are spending their money on. 
It's like, I'm sorry, but you need to be wasting your money on shit like that. You've made your money without needing to go on a fucking billionaire's retreat. What do you need to go to a fucking billionaire's retreat for? You already make billions. I just think it's so ridiculous. So is there anything you want to chime in before I read the SAG-AFTRA negotiations? No, I mean, you've got everything all topicked, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really fucked up with all this going on, but yeah. So yeah, like I said, this too you can find on the SAG-AFTRA website. They have posted their negotiations. I'm only going to read the first three pages because this PDF is like 12 pages long and we're just over the two, like one hour mark. So I'm just going to read the intro and the first three pages. So, so this was released on July 17th of 2023. We're fighting for the survival of our profession. Here's the simple truth. We're up against a system where those in charge of multi-billion dollar media conglomerates are rewarded for exploiting workers, which we now know from Robert Reich's post to be true. The companies represented by the AMPTP, which include, and like I said, it's Amazon, Apple, Disney, etc., are committed to prioritizing shareholders and Wall Street. Detailed below are some of the key issues of the negotiation and where things stand. We move on some things, but from day one, they wouldn't meaningfully engage on the most crucial issues. Performers need minimum earnings to simply keep up with inflation. On SAG-AFTRA's part, we need an 11% general wage increase in year one so our members can recover from the record inflation during the previous contract term. AMPTP, which is them, counter-offered, the most we will give you is 5%, even though that means your 2023 earnings will effectively be a significant pay cut due to inflation, and it is likely you will still be working for less than your 2020 wages in 2026. Do you see the disconnect here? Mm -hmm. Do you see it, Colin? Yes. As I fucking see it. Again, it's all about money with these people. They just want to save as much money as possible so they can still pay their higher-ups and their CEOs the money that they believe that they deserve. And they don't. They don't. I don't. Performers need the protection of our images and performances to prevent replacement of human performances by artificial intelligence technology. So, on the SAG-AFTRA side... Here's a comprehensive set of provisions to grant informed consent and fair compensation when a quote-unquote digital replica is made of our performance is changed using AI. AMPTP, them, we want to be able to scan a background performer's image, pay them for half a day's labor, and then use an individual's likeness for any purpose forever without their consent. We also want to be able to make changes to principal performers' dialogue and even create new scenes without informed content, consent. And to further more of this, we want to be able to use someone's images, likenesses, and performances to train new generative AI systems without consent or compensation. Do you understand what that means, Colin? Explain. Okay. Let's say you, Colin Bourne. Don't, you're, you're don't say my full name, just say Colin. <laughs> you are hired to be an extra, a background character in, let's say, second season of the Obi-Wan series on Disney+, Plus, right? 
Bob Iger wants to use AI technology to scan your physical likeness and movements from you being a background character in the Obi-Wan season two and then continue to use your image in other projects, but he's only going to pay you for half a day's worth for just being on that one Obi-Wan show. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, your image is going to be circulated in all these other Disney projects and you're not going to get paid for your image being in those projects. How does that make you feel? Pretty shitty. Feels like what was the point of me being on there and working when I'm not even going to pay what I deserve? Well, it's not even about that either. I mean, you're getting... You're going to be there for a whole day. You're only getting half a day's worth. You're going there. You're showing up on set. You're being recorded to just move around and be a background character. I just wouldn't do it. Then, then, they're going to take AI technology. They're going to scan your physical likeness and your movements. And they're going to superimpose your image into other projects. And every time they do that, you don't get a penny from that. How does that make you feel? Again, this is all hypothetical scenario, but I'm just... I'm explaining it in a way that's real for us. Like I said, shitty. Yeah. I would be outraged. I would be incredibly I, outraged. I wouldn't even want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, then they and, are, and if they already <coughs> took my image, mm-hmm. then without my consent, I sue their ass. Well, and that's the thing. They don't need your consent to do this. That's what, that's what they're saying. Well, that's the bullshit we, part. So I can't even sue them? Yeah. If you even like... Like, let's say they took your image from the Obi-Wan show. And this, again, this is all hypothetical. Colin's not going to be on the next season of Obi-Wan. But let's just say he worked on the second season of Obi-Wan. And they took his image from the Obi-Wan show. And they put it in the next, like, yeah, Disney. Yeah, they're not going to do Obi-Wan. I'm just saying, hypothetically. If they were to take your image from that show and superimpose you in, like, the next Disney live action adaptation of whatever they decide to do. You see that. And you're like, that's me in the background, but I never worked on this. And then you compare that image with your image from the show and you realize they took my image and they put it into another project. They didn't tell me they were going to do this and I haven't gotten any payment for this. So why am I watching this on my screen? And then you call them and you ask them what's going on. They're going to say, well, per your contract for being extra, we get to do this. Because we have the AI technology to scan your image and put you in other movies without having to pay you. Regardless of how it makes you feel. That's what they want to do. Again, it's shitty. But I'm going to move on. Performers need qualified hair and makeup professionals as well as equipment to safely and effectively style a variety of hair textures, styles, and skin tones. SAG-AFTRA says... How about consultations with qualified hair and makeup professionals for all performers on set to ensure equity for performers of color and a requirement to have the proper tools and equipment? AMPTP says, Begrudgingly, we will do this for the principal performers, but background actors are on their own. That is frustrating, but okay. Performers need compensation to reflect the value we bring to the streamers who profit from our labor. SAG-AFTRA says, consider this comprehensive plan for actors to participate in streaming revenue since the current business model has eroded our residual income. AMPTP says no. They don't want to do any of that. Mm -hmm. The next, all performers need support from our employers to keep our health and retirement funds sustainable. SAG-AFTRA. Contribution caps 
haven't raised in 40 years, imperiling our pension and health plans, would you consider raising the caps to adjust for inflation and ensure that all performers, regardless of age or location, receive equal contributions? AMPTP. Here are some nominal increases nowhere near the level of inflation that won't adequately fund your health plan. Also, background child performers under 14 years of age living in New York zone don't deserve pension contributions, which is why we haven't paid them since 1992. Are you kidding me? That Okay, sorry, that makes me angry. Principal performers need to be able to work during hiatus and not be held captive by employers. SAG after says, these timelines we've proposed help series regulars by limiting the increasingly long breaks between seasons and give them some certainty as to when they'll start work again or will be released. AMPTP says, take these select few improvements that will only help a select few. Oh, did you hear that little pop? That's my neck because I am tense. Principal performers need to be reimbursed for relocation expenses when they're employed away from home. SAG-AFTRA says, drop the ruse that series regulars are becoming residents of a new site or country when they go on location and adequately pay them for all of their relocation costs. AMPTP says, here's some stipends, stipends, I don't even know what that word is. Here's some which don't realistically reflect the cost of relocating to an out-of-state or out-of-country production. We marched ahead because they intentionally dragged their feet. After we agreed to their compressed bargaining schedule, the AMPTP subjected us to repeated stonewalling and delays. It took more than four weeks of bargaining for the AMPTP to agree to simple basic issues of fairness and respect such as access to reproductive health care and gender-affirming care for performers working away from home in states that restrict medical access, a consultation process to guard against racist and sexist wiggings and paint-downs of stunt performers, safety for performers working with animals on set. Is this enough? We need transformative contracts, yet remain far apart from the most crucial issues that affect the very survival of our profession. Specifically, we need fair compensation that accounts for inflation, revenue sharing on top of residuals, protection from AI technology, and updates to our pension and health contribution caps, which haven't changed or haven't been changed in decades. This is why we are on strike. The AMPTP thinks we will relent, but the will of our membership has never been stronger. We have the resolute, we have the resolve and the unity needed to defend our rights. Transparency. The following chart, which again you can go look at the SAG-AFTRA website, reflects our proposals and illustrates just how far apart we remain on key issues. The document also indicates where we've reached a tentative agreement as well as proposals strategically withdrawn as part of the negotiating process. For additional information, FAQs, picket locations, and more, you, again, you can find all that on the website. And in Unity, the SAG-AFTRA TV slash Theatrical Negotiating Committee. And that is what I have for my notes. I do want to point out too, like I said, Adam Canover 
has been a part of the strike now for a while. He's been following the strike updates, keeping people posted on social media. He does have a video on his TikTok that informs consumers like us on how we can support the strike. So according to this video, there's three things that we can do to show support for the writers and actors strike. First thing being is post as much of this as you can on social media. You know, talk about it, engage with conversations with people about it, keep people updated with all the updates surrounding the strike. Like what we're doing right now, we're taking a week of an episode to talk about these things in hopes that everybody will be able to hear about it. And as more updates come, we will talk a little bit more about it in the beginning or end of every episode, again, as long as the strike keeps going. Second thing we can do is something called scabbing, which I didn't know what it was until it was also addressed on social media, but apparently with the actors now being on strike, there's something called scabbing, which is when studio productions are going to content creators for acting, I guess. So like, let's say for example, give me a name of a content creator you know. Content creator? On social media, anybody you follow on social media. I, can, I know one. Okay, go. Uh, the people from the Smosh. Okay, there you go. Smosh channel. So the Smosh YouTube channel is a comedy skit channel. Let's say somebody from Paramount calls them up and says, Hey, we need actors for a comedy movie. Do you want to be a part of it? We'll pay you like $25,000. And they agree to do it because it's a big opportunity to get their faces out there on the big screen and they're going to get paid for it, but not as much as what they should get paid for as actors from the Actors Guild. And that's what we want to also be mindful with people is make sure that you are, if you're a content creator doing things like this, be leery of when production companies reach out to you. If they offer you deals, if they offer you contracts that don't seem too good to be true or may seem too good to be true, either way, just run. It's like a guy in a windowless van offering you candy, just run away. And then the third thing is, if you can, definitely donate to the entertainmentcommunityfund.org. And they are an organization that helps financially support writers, actors, or other entertainment workers during the strike. Kind of like how we said earlier when they donated to the Rikers Strike Fund, Relief Fund, things like that. That's what you, we can do to, on our end to support the strike. And that is where I'm going to end. Like I said, if any, if any updates come along, I will be sure to mention it in following episodes. But is there anything you want to say before we wrap up? Um, point is, mm-hmm. is that we definitely learned a lot here today. Mm-hmm. Is that definitely, just when we thought in our society, us, that we're not making as much as we should, especially no matter what profession you do, even in medical or construction or any job, even in retail, Hollywood is having that same issue it's just as much as we are. And it's kind of, it's not cool that this is happening, but it is interesting to hear about this firsthand. Yeah. Because we really thought that even in Hollywood, they could definitely still get by, you know, not just by their looks, but also their acting and their writing and stuff. But they're still trying to make another way to try to make things cheaper for them so they don't have to pay people the money that they've always paid them in the past especially stuff that they deserve and that's why i think this is wrong that they choose ais to 
take over for a lot of like the writers and stuff mm-hmm. and maybe even like actors too you never know but, yeah and 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 honestly that's the scary part that we're going through right now i mean we're a podcast that basically does horror theme like stuff Ooh. you know whether it's fan- whether it's fantasy or not you know but honestly though this actually kind of feels like this is like a modern horror story in the making yeah, especially with that thunder to add the ambiance to it. That's not a sound effect, guys. That's real thunder outside our windows. So literally, go out there and help them. Because they need this more than anything. Yeah, but don't actually like go to the pickets and... No, not the pickets, I mean, but mm-mm. you know, to go online and... Talk about it, keep it... Talk about it. Yeah, like keep the news going, keep talking about it. Don't let yeah. it like get swept under the rug and everything. Yeah, but honestly though, so the point is... Mm-hmm. Is that help them with what you can. Yeah. All right? Because they need it right now. And yes, this has actually been a very interesting episode today. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. Yeah. And I think, too, going forward, at least until the strike is over, we're, we're probably not going to do the Friday the 13th franchise review for a while. We're going to focus on other movies, though. I've heard through discords about how can we make our content without showing support for the AMPTP. And there are ways that if you are a content creator that reviews movies of any kind, there's ways that you can do it without showing support for AMPTP if that was your concern. So basically we're not going to be doing American films that were coming from Paramount, Warner, all these ones. We're going to be focusing a bit more on independent and foreign films. And independent films is like anything that's not produced or represented by AMPTP. And there's a list you can look up online for too. When you when you think of a movie that you want to do, do your research. Make sure nothing was touched by those corporations or those production studios. And if it's if it's not listed on there, that's a green light. It's good to go. Or you can do other types of content. Like I know Colin wanted to do a game today, but I wanted to take this time to talk about it. And also too, we don't have sponsors for this episode. So this this is not a paid or like an ad episode. So we're not making money off of this one. We just really want to talk about it and have a discussion about it and let everybody who does listen to the podcast know this is what's happening. This is how it's affecting people in general, not just people who work in the film industry, but people who enjoy content created by the film industry. But that's what we're going to do on our part. And that's us showing our solidarity for the writers and actors strike is talking about this, getting it posted, informing everybody what's going on, what's been going on, and what's going to happen in the weeks and months to follow. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. Hopefully we'll come to a consensus. But unfortunately, if CEOs are going to continue to be the way that they are, I don't know how soon This is going to come to an end. But like we said, we're supportive of the strike. We're supportive of our writers and our actors. And even the directors and producers who have also gone out in solidarity and picketed and protested. It's important. Well, that includes our show today. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you all for listening to us. And uh, this is a more serious episode. But I'm glad that you uh, got to listen to us and hear the message that we have to say that's out there. And for that, stay tuned to next week's episode. Until um, then, this is the Abby Noel Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Leah. Signing off saying that Friend Dresher show, The Nanny, I heard was a good show. 
As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.